Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Human Nutrition and Lifestyle Podcast. Today, I've got an exciting guest for you. I've got Nicola Howard from Low Carb in the UK. So welcome, Nicola. And if you just want to introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about who you are and where you're from and, and what you kind of do. Hi, Matthew. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I do love I do love doing podcasts. So I am, as you say, I'm Nicola Howard. I'm the UK's leading low carbohydrate nutrition expert. And I've been low carb since 1999. So I think I've seen everything in terms of what's gone on with history and, and all that stuff. And I, I have had a, a 20, over 20, 21 year journey now. I've, I've had my ups, I've had my downs. I've left the camp. I've come back to the camp. I've gone carnivore in the last couple of years because for me and my health, it seemed to be the best thing. And, and yeah, it's just generally very much with you. I eat real food. It comes from a farm, not from a factory. And I'm staggeringly healthy. And I assist thousands of people to do the same. And I have the best job in the world. So how did you get into low carb in the first place? And I presume you, you've not been uh, low carb the whole of your life. So there must have been a point where you, the, the change happened. And, and what, what sort of triggered that for you? And how come you carried on with it? So I was tw- 29, um, just turned 29. I started for some bizarre reason on the 6th of December, 1999. Don't know why I started just before Christmas, but hey. Um, but what happened was I was aching my knees were hurting I had 52 inch hips I was just tired and and a mate at work chap named Tim who I am eternally grateful for gave me a copy of Dr Atkins new diet revolution and of course I'd had the standard female checkered history of um low calorie dieting being hungry all the time beating myself up for being a failure when I'd, I'd whatever and when I read this book it just made sense. I'm, I'm an incredibly scientific person. I did physics and chemistry at school and, and through my degree. And I've always had a fascination with how systems work. And I never wanted to do biology because it was too much Latin. But in terms of the way the body works, it's just a big system. So when I read that and I started, I sort of picked it up and did it. And it was, yeah. I'm eating the food I love because I've always been very heavy on the meat um, and I love I love love my green veg and I love my sort of whatever and I was never really fussed about rice or pasta it sort of got in the way of the tasty bit potatoes now they are my kryptonite I've never met a potato I don't love but then I've never met a potato being worth a size 28 for either so it, it, it's one of those things but yeah having get, been given that book and reading that um, I then the first time round, I didn't have any form of personal development under my belt. So I called myself a loser, which, of course, I know now is terrible linguistically. And I lost three and a half stone, hit a medical problem that was nothing to do with diet. But they put me on some drugs that effectively sent me absolutely crazy for about three months. And I self-medicated with sugar because it was the only way I knew to calm myself down. Because that's what, of course, history had taught me. If I was if I was feeling that sort of agitated and bleh, give myself sugar, eat potatoes, I will feel better. That unfortunately lasted for seven years, where I'd got myself re-addicted. And I knew that this was not good. I I, I was I was powerless against my addiction. 
And so when I started doing personal development stuff through work initially, I, we, we started um, bringing in um, the concept of empowered workplace hierarchy rather than hierarchies, coaching relationships across all staff. I realized that part of the problem was not what was on my plate. Changing the plate's the easy part. Changing how I was thinking about my food and my attitude, that's where the work is. And, and that sort of put me in sort of in the middle of 2010, I think it was, um, put me on this journey of learning about myself, then learning about how my attitudes affect what I am. And then how can I help someone else with this? And that's sort of the 2015-ish was when I thought, well, yeah, actually, the, the system I've created for myself, I could give this to other people. I can help other people with this. And then I sort of went through a sort of a three-year systemization, sort of very casually helping people for free, helping people, whatever. And then I wrote in 2018, I wrote my third book and that actually systemized and sort of the things I'd been doing. Um, I have changed, transformed some of the food addiction behaviors I have to eat instead of ice cream, which is what it used to be, pint of ice cream down to the bottom, scraping on the bottom. That was the thing. Um, I now eat steak and broccoli and mushrooms and cream as my addiction food. If I need comfort, I will do because I've changed the behavior. I, and I acknowledge I still have them. I still have overeating behaviors, but I'm eating nutrient dense food that is not harming me whilst I have the addictions. And yes, of course, we can then say that um, getting rid of the behaviours is the most optimal way. But that's again, that's a work in progress. And at some point, I know that I will not turn to food as my comfort. I will have other things. But right now, that's where I am. And so I'm very open and honest and vulnerable with people that, yeah, a coach needs a coach. I need people that help me as much as I help you to get a handle on all this stuff. And yeah, that's, so that's where I am right now. That's absolutely brilliant. I mean, it's, it's a great story and, and a great journey. And you're absolutely right. Everybody's learning every single day. Nobody knows everything about everything. I mean, you're learning, I'm learning, everybody's still learning about uh, the whole nutrition and lifestyle thing. We learn new things every day. And I'm pleased you touched on um, the mental attitude there because that's something that I try and get across to people. It's like, how, how do you want to start this? You know, how does it go forward for you? You've really got to get your mind into gear. You've really got to get your mental attitude that it's something, a goal you want to achieve or, or something you want to do for yourself. It's no good being pushed into, into a corner and, and made to do anything in your life that you don't want to do. It's all about getting your mental attitude right. And you said there as well about um, potentially weight. Some people say, oh, well, you know, I don't want to lose weight. Well, it's not all about, nutrition's not all about losing weight. Nutrition's about being healthy, getting the best possible you can from your own body, making sure that your own body sings to you the way that it was meant to, evolutionary. So just take us, um, take us back a bit through that uh, mental state, that, that um, the mental attitude that you had to really grab hold of and really go for because a lot of people now when they start off that's the one thing that they really struggle with is is mentally is like like you say all them little chirpy bits in the back of your head everything going on it's like is, is this you do you really want to do this is this best for you talk us a little bit about through your mental attitude at the time and how you overcome those sort of things oh yeah um that that i believe is 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 what's called my unique selling point um, because I don't believe that any other system deals with 
what's going on between our ears. Um, that this sort of how much seven pounds worth of, of fatty protein rules our worlds, but we are then subject to our evolution with it and we have a thing i call the gribbity little toad um is our amygdala at the base of our brain and it sits there like a gribbity little toad on our shoulders telling us we are fat and we are lazy and we are stupid and we're not good enough and not worthy and we'll never be whatever and we'll never do this and we can't do that and we shouldn't do that and and and, and basically it just sits there all the time now my my gribbity little toad tells me to hide all the time and most of the time people don't realize that they have a choice this gribbity little toad is not us we i personally believe are a divine being connected to everything through all time and space we are amazing empowered humongously gorgeous humans that can do anything we choose to do and our gribbity little toad is sent by a great cosmic joke to keep us from not doing it <laughs> And, and so by making that choice, um, by, by knowing that my pattern has been triggered and I want to hide or I want to go and find comfort or I want to go and find whatever, what is, I now have the choice. What is the most optimal way that I can do that or not at all? Or do I want to do it? Sometimes I eat the cake because I want to. It's my choice. I think it's absolutely brilliant to say it like life and just jump in there because a lot of people now will be listening to this thinking, yes, that's exactly what happens to me in their moments. In their moments, I open the cupboard and I can see that one thing shouting at me. Then there's always that thing at the back of your brain saying, yes, you know, you need that. That's for you. That's especially what's going on in your head. That's what that's what it should be. And it's all about winning those little battles if you like it's all about making those better choices at those particular times and you, you often find that if you do that if you if you carry on doing that and, and making those better choices winning those battles against you it becomes easier as time goes on the more Always. and more you can do it i often shout to people and say just make those small changes to start with because those small changes are sometimes the hardest changes to make sure you can go out there and you can make a big overall and make an absolutely big change to everything you do but it's unlikely but it to stick, stick. that's right yeah. <laughs> yeah it won't stick if you that's do it. if you do everything all at once it doesn't stick it is it's this, this lovely japanese concept of kaizen small incremental change over time continuous incremental change over time it's like last night i went and opened the fridge and then i shut the fridge again because opening the fridge is is an ingrained response to something open the fridge i don't need anything in the fridge shut the fridge walk away um it's it but it was like i chose in the moment the stimulus is i opened the fridge obviously because something in the back of my brain had thought go and find some food for comfort or boredom or whatever was going on i then i don't need anything here i chose to close the fridge and it is it's those small little behaviors that build this wonderfully neuroplastic brain until very recently 20 odd years ago we didn't believe that the brain changed over our lives we believed we got to 24 25 and that was it we were stuck it's totally untrue the brain develops changes grows and learns all of our lives it's called neuroplasticity so by choosing to shut the fridge i've reinforced the pathway in my brain that says you don't need to open the fridge because what and it's it's that little learning process over time 
that I deal with in my, my, my system, my hope protocol. I have the 10 keys that unlock your mind. And they take you through sort of getting to know the gribbity little toad, how we build habits, um, some of the stuff that is like about self-love because self-love is vital. And then how we then develop and, and sort of change over time. And, and by unlocking those those 10 keys to our minds, which are, I mean, I, I do, it's got, there are no ideas, new ideas in personal development, but I think I've phrased it well enough in the food era that you apply it to your, your diet, but it also changes your life. And lots, lots of my clients say, you're really sneaky, Nicola, because I came to you to lose weight. And now I've got this whole different, amazing life that's just wonderful. And I didn't want, I didn't expect that or want that, but thank you. <laughs> that's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I mean, like, like you say, your brain is active the whole of your life. You can always learn something new and you can always train it to do something different and people don't realize that they get so stuck in the way they've done something and say oh no this is the way that I do it this is the way it's got to be done this is the way I've always done it so this is the yeah. way I, I will continue to do it not necessarily the case like you say you can change and it's, it changes quite quickly I mean I do um, four-week programs with some people and it, it's amazing to see what you can accomplish in four weeks you know obviously we start with those small changes and build up and nothing ever changes your life in four weeks you've got to build it into a lifestyle but like you say if you keep making them and keep doing the right things then that's the great way to go so let's talk a little bit about what these changes could be how can you make a small change from let's say somebody is dependent a lot on carbohydrates has a lot of processed food then a small change to them may seem daunting but what kind of small change can they make like straight away to get going yeah, well, th that's where, again, I believe I'm unique in is I don't believe in the fast going in all at once. I think it is pointless and useless. We don't need to give ourselves the body shock. We don't need the, the, the hair falling out in three months time. We don't need the keto flu. So, so I developed nine shifts to a low carb way of life, which start with avoid eating sugar, nothing else. So, but just by, by that one thing of removing obvious sweet foods that we know we've added sugar, not fruit, fruit we do right at the end because fruit has emotions around it and that's difficult. So we deal with it after we've done the keys. So sugar is, is you're not avoiding anything else. And I also use the words avoid and not remove or get rid of or whatever. Because of that lovely trick of psychology, when you tell someone that they can't do something, they want to do it even more. So by avoiding it and choosing not to eat it right now, well, that leaves the door open. You can do it if you want to. But, but, but again, that trick of psychology is if you're choosing not to, you're more likely to not actually choose it. So, so the whole of my sort of method is very gentle and sort of shifts you gently into, out the other end after shift nine, into a low carbohydrate way of eating that has is, is avoiding sugars, avoiding wheat, avoiding processed grains and processed foods, and then the higher natural carb foods like tubers and and the, the tropicals and the citric fruits, citric citrus fruits. But that's done over a period of thirty nine days. It's not bang all in all at once, change everything, and then then you're not going to, as we said just earlier, you're not going to stick to it if you do it all at once because you'll feel deprived, you'll get, you'll feel hungry and hangry and, and all the, the manner of icky stuff that comes along with a massive change very quickly. You don't need to. 
So by that one thing that I personally believe that if we as a human society avoided sugar and avoided wheat and avoid seed oils, we will all be healthier. Everything else from there is gravy. But those three things, we've put them in, they are novel to us as a species, especially because like sugar, we only started eating the amount we've been eating in the last century. Wheat, we've only been eating the wheat we've been eating now since the 50s. Mr. Norman Borlaug, the, the savior of uh, the father of modern agriculture. And seed oils, again, 1910. It's just over a century we've put those in our diets. And we are fatter, sicker, and, and horrible stuff has ensued since we did that to ourselves. So if we avoid those three things, everything else is cool. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of people don't actually realize that those three, three things that you mentioned make up just about all processed foods nowadays. Yeah. If you were to turn over a packaging of a product, then those three things, one of or all three or two of, would definitely be in that processed food. So I always say to people, check your ingredients as well when you're doing things like this. Make sure you know what's in your food. That's why we say real food so much, because real food yeah. doesn't have any added ingredients, any added sugars, anything. Because you mentioned sugar, take out sugar. And it sounds quite simple when you say take out sugar. But nowadays, all these marketing firms and companies have come up with so many great names for sugar <laughs> that it is very difficult for the person on the street to know if it's sugar or not. But yeah, that's great what you say. Start off with one thing. Concentrate on that one thing, sugar. Then perhaps once you've got the hang of that, switch over to wheat, switch over to oils. No, just concentrate on that one thing first. And that's absolutely brilliant to get you going. And yeah. what I find also is that I work with all sorts of different kind of varieties of people from different backgrounds who have done things in the past. Maybe they've experimented with low carb in the past. Maybe they've experimented with keto or different things like that. So everybody comes to you from a different angle or from a different place. So some people, yeah, you can change in a couple of weeks because that you're just picking up a baton from where they left off before. But some people are really, really high on the processed foods. They always eat out. They really need help from a long period of time. And what those kind of people have got to understand is like you say, it takes a long time. You're not gonna come in and a week later, you're gonna be a different person. If you think about it, whatever age you are, say you're 40 years old, you've potentially had 40 years of eating the way you eat, picking the foods that you want to pick and snacking or eating meals out, going, going for seed oils, going for sugars, going for wheat. It's like anything, you're not going to be able to drop it and change it in a week. So you've got to think long term. Now, something, that, something I'd like to get your opinion on is, do you think, there's, there's been a lot of uh, controversy about it out there, but do you think sugar is as addictive as a drug or is sugar a drug and is it addictive? The really short answer to that is yes. I personally believe looking at evidence, I'm a hugely evidence-based person, looking at the way sugar acts on the, the hypothalamus and the hippocampus, producing dopamine in the brain, it is addictive. It causes mild euphoria. Anything that causes any form of feeling has an addiction association. So yes, I, I believe that that sugar is addictive. Very short answer to that one. Yeah, well, and, and our marketing uh, businesses and all the big companies out there know that. This is yeah. why they this is why well, they end up putting sugar in ham and things like that. Well, if you if you want to go back in history, um, they used to put sugar in cigarettes because it makes it even more addictive than it 
than it is. And it, it's part of that, all it actually helps mellow the taste out because of the way they process tobacco. Now I've never smoked, I think it's um, But in terms of the manipulation of the tobacco industry advertising, when they stopped doing tobacco adverts, a lot of the people in the tobacco industry went over to the sugar industry. And there, there was this big sort of cross modulation between the two industries to help each other out. Um, because of the way that tobacco is processed, it causes it to be quite acrid. So you add sugar to it to make it taste better. But it also, the, 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 the tobacco executives then found that the more sugar they put into a cigarette, the more that their brand sold. Yeah. So, so that there is this very simpatico double addiction thing going on with with that particular pairing, and so again, it, it's that whole adding sugar to things makes you sell more of the things. The manufacturers are going to want to do that. You've also got then the well, let's take the fat out of things because of guidelines, which I don't know if you want to talk about those or not, but yeah, that means that to make things tasty you need to make them sweeter because if you take fat away, fat is flavor. So by adding in sugar, you're then making it tasty again in a different way and you, your, your consumers then buy the food. So for manufacturers, for, for, I often say that, does, does your food come from a farm or did it come from a factory? So people that are producing foods that come from a factory, I call them food-like substances because I don't believe they're actually food, um, those food-like substances are manipulated to make us want to buy more and more and more and more and more of them. Whereas food from a farm, you just eat it until you're satisfied and then you stop. That is not a recipe for lots of money. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. And I'm pleased you said it like that because um, halfway through there, you're saying about the, the sugar and your body just doesn't have a switch, a switch off for sugar. And that's why I, I do believe it's an addictive substance and people can be addicted to it, whether they like to hear it or not. Your body just cannot regulate it. It just does not have the off switch, whereas it does for the fats and the proteins. It never needed to. When we evolved, sugar was seasonal. It happened in autumn with the fruit. And that was that. We yeah, didn't and, have it was... it. And, and it was like getting us fat. Nature's fruit is nature's way of getting us fat for winter. It was, it was, we evolved to eat fruit, get fat. So we survived the lean times so that when food started to grow again, and yes, we can always go and hunt and we could, but even then animals are hiding out cause it's winter. So food is scarce. When things start to grow and whatever again, we're then there at the other end of winter to start eating again properly. And it's that whole, we now eat fat all the time. So we now eat fruit the whole time and we're fat and we wonder why. That's right. Yeah, it's talked about seasonally before. And also, even if you're eating fruit and coming from a higher, more processed diet, then what you've got to realize is that that sugar hasn't been isolated. It's still within that fruit. So on one hand, your fruit is better than your higher carbohydrate processed food, all that sort of mm -hmm. thing. But it's kind of like a step down. I would say it's a step in the right direction if you're eating it all year round like you say not great but if you're eating it seasonally then i do believe it's a, a natural sugar it's not highly processed it's if you're struggling to get somebody from a from a higher carbohydrate processed sugar diet then it's great to use as a step i can see maybe you don't agree on that i, I i'm actually really down on fruit and i'm down on fruit because fruit is processed by the liver in exactly the same way as alcohol it turns into fat that sits in our liver and in our, in our viscera making us unhealthy 
So yes, I can see the argument that using fruit as a transitional substance might be okay, but given that sugar is sugar is sugar and fruit is this, it, it, to me, it's, 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 it, it's the same as a chocolate bar with added vitamin C and not actually that much. I don't see it as a valid alternative. I don't see that the, the, the sweets are bad and the fruit is good argument at all um, because it's just fr fruit. Fruit is sugar water wrapped in fiber and it has the fiber so it slows itself down so that it doesn't impact your liver that much. Whereas when it's like it, we, we could, you can't eat four apples at once. The fiber fills your stomach. You can't do it. You can easily drink four apples worth of juice by juicing it. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I did talk to Professor Michael Goran, who's done a study on the differences between fruit juice and fruit. And I totally agree with you. The fructose is so, so bad for you because it gets absorbed really, really quickly and can cause a non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, especially in children now, because they're obviously drinking a lot of fruit juice. But I guess with the fruit, like you say, the fiber slows it down a lot. So your body can, your metabolism in your body can break down the fructose and it not cause you as much difficulty, not end up going to cause non-alcoholic fatty liver disease because it gets absorbed into your metabolism a lot easier with the, with the fiber that's present in the fruit. So I don't want to start saying to people, don't eat fruit. What I'm saying to you is it's, it's, it's like you say, non-optimal, perhaps. There are better things that you could have in your nutrition than if you're trying to find vitamin C, for example, or, or minerals or any particular things that people think these fruits are packed of and they're not. There's a lot more nutrient-dense food out there, yeah. but it's one thing that, that is to be considered, like you say. It annoys me that we've clumped fruit and vegetables together yeah. because they are not equivalent at all. Um, and I, I am generally eat fruit when it's in season and yeah. eat fruit where you ancestrally evolved. So for me, that's berries and that's the occasional apple. And I don't like pears, but I would potentially if, if my ancestry was white northern European. So I, I, I evolved with berries and I evolved with with um. I can't remember what they're called, the apples and pear family of fruits. Whereas if you evolved somewhere where pineapples evolved or where bananas evolved, well then for you, seasonally bananas are probably appropriate. For my body, they really aren't. So I'm, never, I'm not gonna choose them. Mangoes and, and persimmons and all the, all the really exotic stuff that we now have because we can ship everything all over the world. I would not choose those because they're not ancestrally appropriate for my body. And I, I, I realize that my attitude on that is actually quite singular. But in terms of fruit and vegetables, vegetables are far nutritionally superior because they have, I mean, if you want to go gram for gram, there is more vitamin C in broccoli than there is in oranges. Um, there are more antioxidants in vegetables than there are in fruit. There are more um, just phytonutrients in vegetables than there are in fruit. Fruit, as I said, is sugar and fiber and a bit of vitamin C and maybe some minerals, but not a lot. They're not, they're not, they're not great. They're, if you think about what a fruit is, it's a bundle of sugar to nurture a seed so that the seed grows. Yeah, that's right. And that's, yeah. that's, it's, that's, that's what that bundle of fruit and fiber of that fructose and fiber is. That's to nurture a seed to make it turn into a tree. That's great. Let, let's work our way up then. You, obviously you got the fruit as the non-optimal at the bottom. And then you say about the, the vegetables as well that people can incorporate into diet. And you mentioned a few things there that, that vegetables do have nutrients in them, but 
I've spoken a lot to people and especially animal uh, produce orientated people like carnivores and things. And they'll say mm -hmm. that there's plenty of anti-nutrients in vegetables that yeah. actually stop you getting the nutrition from the vegetables, the, the, the nutrients that it offers. Um, so are vegetables optimal on, on something that we should be looking towards um, eating? I, I believe that if they if they give you a reaction, they are not appropriate for your body. And I think that with, with pretty much anything, that's how I, how I do stuff. So for me, when I chose to be actually go carnivore in 2019, did it in sort of January that I did that, I could do anything 30 days. And um, I, I now would call myself a social omnivore because I do still eat vegetables, but I don't, I don't buy them for myself. So if I'm out and about or if someone's feeding me or I'm out at dinner, I'll, I'll go standard default, low carb meat and veg, as it were. Whereas if I'm on my own, I don't buy vegetables anymore. I do believe that they have a lot of value. I don't believe that they are the be all and end all of nutrition. And I think if you want to eat veg, no one, no one got fat from eating broccoli, quite frankly. No one got fat from eating carrots. No one got fat from eating peas even. They, we, we got fat from the processed foods that went with them and, and, the, and, the, and the potatoes and the rice and the, and, the, and the pasta and the bread. We didn't get fat from the veggies. But there are definitely people that react negatively to the oxalates, the lectins, the, the, the whatever's that's in vegetables. And for them, they're possibly not an optimal choice. I know for me, they, I, I have a massive issue with nuts, just to, to sort of segue slightly. And I only discovered that by taking them out of my diet for 30 days when I went carnivore. They are something I personally can't eat. For me, they are non-optimal. Yeah, that's great. And, and I like the way you've done it as well, because a lot of people never actually realise what it is that's giving them a particular problem. The only way you can realise what it is, is by taking everything else out, perhaps introducing it again and seeing what the difference is. Nobody, somebody who's on a high carbohydrate processed food diet would have no idea what's going on simply because the sugar just masks everything to start with. So you're never in tune with your body. You can never pick out these things, what's happening within your body. Now we've, no. we've kind of, I always talk about real food and uh, real food nutrition is something I push out there and nutrient dense nutrition is something I put out there. And we just talked a moment ago about fruit, but fruit is, is a real food, so it's a step in the right direction. Vegetables, perhaps another step in the right direction. Like you mentioned, nobody's um, got big fat, obese from eating broccoli, anything like that. It is a real food. So it can have a place in your nutrition. But really what, what we're aiming for and you yourself saying carnivore is to get to the top of that optimum tree where everything that your human body desires is and that's within meat and why is meat so nutrient dense and how come our body can access everything from meat that is possible oh that i think is a bigger question than i have answers for um but i mean at, at the heart of it we have a digestive tract that we as a species i say i'm going to sound like a singular person we chose um Back in our evolution, we chose that eating a herbivorous diet was not for us. Um, not consciously, of course, because evolution doesn't work like that. But but as a result of the choices of, um, I can't remember which homo it was. It wasn't sapiens. It was the one just before then. Our digestive tract started to shrink. We needed to support this big brain. And the easiest way of doing that is by us eating other animals 
because the way that our digestive system developed, we have a very acidic stomach, we have rippers, but we also have grinders, which is why I believe we are naturally omnivorous. We don't have a cecum, we, we have our appendix, which is the leftover little, little two inch long thing, five centimeters, do it in metric, um, thing that if you look at a gorilla, who of course are another hominid, they have a cecum, they have what's called a hindgut, where they ferment all of the leaves they eat. And they have this huge belly to accommodate that. We have a much smaller inner torso. Yes, we could get fatty bellies, but they, their belly is not full of fat. Their belly is full of guts. Um, so we got rid of the cecum. We shortened the digestive tract and we have a very acidic stomach. All of these things. And we have what's called proteolytic bacteria as a as a, um, a population rather than um, the cellulose eating um, fermentative bacteria. So, so all of these things add up for me is that we as a species chose to go and hunt and go and kill and go and eat other animals. So ethically, I'm actually quite on board with the vegans. I agree that factory farming is an abomination. And I, I believe that we shouldn't be exploiting other animals, but I need to eat animals for my health. And I'm an animal too, therefore my health is as important as theirs. And the cycle of life is for something to live, something has to die. We, have, and what I'm actually sort of thinking, because I've just hit 50, and I'm thinking about the will stuff and the death stuff and whatever. And I don't want to be embalmed. I want to just get planted so that the bugs can eat me. Yeah. because that's the cycle we actually take ourselves out by embalming we're taking ourselves out of the cycle of life something something has to eat me so that i return to the soil so that then the bacteria gets fed so that the ruminant animals can eat the grass so that they can eat the that the, the the future people can eat the tasty cows it and it's this big cycle it is it's so important to emphasize the circle of life because that's how everything evolved that's how the whole planet has grown and that's how we got here today and like you referred to back to our ancestors it's our evolution our evolution the way our bodies have been designed over the years it's made us the way we are like you say with the digestive system i think it's all been designed towards eating meat it's all been designed towards getting those vitamins and minerals and everything we can possibly get through our nutrition our bodies have worked the way through millennia to get this way so like you, like you referred to earlier with the seed oils and the sugar and the wheat that have only been introduced into our nutrition the past you know, 100 years, if we're lucky. So why do we believe that these things are good for us when we can look back over the throughout all of the hominid species and see that we have really been designed through evolution to take nutrition from meat and animal produce. And that's the way that we should be thinking of ourselves today. We haven't changed anything. Our bodies evolutionary wise have not changed in ages, you know, ever since it was first designed because that's the way that it works. And you mentioned about the uh, fermentation bacteria, which is present in cows and things. And something I, I often get when people say, oh, well, look at how big cows are and, and they just eat grass. Well, it's because of the way our digestive systems work their digestive system they have three or four stomachs and they ferment everything in the grass and, and it, they're like the middlemen if you like they they help the 
circle of life like we talked to they eat the grass they build the protein we eat their protein you know and i'm totally on board with you about the ethics of, of a vegan I'll, I'll say if you're doing it for the ethical reasons then great but never think that you're doing veganism for health because it's just no. not the way we've evolved to be no there, there are a lot of um vegans that essentially get to about year six year five year six and their health starts takes a those dive because the body is an amazing thing that will scavenge from itself as much as it can and it can do that for about five or six years with what the resources it has inside itself and then it starts needing new stuff because of course your body uh, one of the one of the wonderful things about mindset stuff is that we are a new us every single day something inside ourselves would have renewed itself and we are a completely new being every 10 years because that's how basically your bones are the things that renew the, the slowest so every every 10 years you've got completely new bone but way before then you've got like your gut turns over every 24 hours so we are a new human every single day so we have a new start every single day and that whole we, we did try veganism as as a sort of the, the hominid branches there's a hominid i can't remember the beginning it's not homo it's the one before called robustus they were the vegan hominid and they died out there are no robustuses anymore um we tried it didn't work evolution moved on and as you say cows evolved cows deer sheep um all the ruminant animals they evolved specifically to eat grass so they developed four stomachs they developed the ruminant system rumen is it comes from chewing over they they regurgitate they chew they come back they they, they re-eat their food which i think i personally think sounds disgusting but that's how they do it um and they turn effectively a very low quality food for them into um, short chain fatty acids, which then builds their body. And, and they extract the protein out by this massive process of fermentation, produce beef, lamb, venison, which, which other predators, not just us, other predators can then eat. And I think one of the things about vegans is, oh, well, you don't eat cats and dogs. Well, yeah, predators don't eat other predators. Predators eat prey. We, eyes in the front of our head, pointy teeth, we can run, we are predators. And whatever your ethics are, and I, I, I salute people that have the ethics to, to, to basically put someone else's health over themselves because that's what they are doing. They are saying, I want these things to be more healthier than me, therefore I will detriment myself by being ethical. But it's not nature and that's that's where you if you think about the amount of things a vegan has to mix together to make sure they are getting a completely nutrient complete diet whereas i just need to go and eat meat and eggs and fish and cheese and cream and butter and that's about it yeah, and i can get everything i need um <sighs> It's like everything that you, you think about. Evolution's already found the answer. Think about how long the, you know, we, everybody's seen the clock where we're humans are just that last little minute on the clock there. It's about 25 seconds. <laughs> yeah, if, if that, and yeah. about, about three milliseconds that we've been in modern man, as it were, like in the last, the industrial revolution man, it's like literally milliseconds we've been here. In yeah, whole yeah in the last three seconds where those seed oils and sugars and, yeah. and, and wheat and all that has appeared so there's no way that that is going to be the answer look at evolution as a whole look at the whole clock see what's happened you know mm -hmm. it's already got the answer there for you 
Um, a lot of the work I do with people is allowing them to see that we try and we try and think our way into health. The brain is not where health comes from. The body is where health and the body knows what it needs. The body will ask you for food, warmth, and sustenance. It will tell you what it needs if you listen to it. And we've developed because we are brain, big brains, homo sapiens. We think that the we, we think that the way to anything is to think about it. And we've, we've sort of marginalized this amazing body we have. We've marginalized this amazing engine that evolved to get us places. And it's that whole, again, that this mind, body, spirit concept. Whereas we are amazing, amazing beings sent here to do our thing. We are given a mind that is full of lies and we are given a body that can only, only ever give us the truth. And, and by... I'm so pleased you said that because that just reiterates everything, all of my work that I do too. I, I believe we, we obviously put the same work out there because so many times I say to people when I'm working with them, how do you feel? And that is the, the big question with anybody who's even trying it for themselves or anything. Listen to your body. How does your body feel? Your body knows what it wants. Mm. Soon as you turn down all those dials that we talked about, the sugar, the oils, the wheat, the processed food, turn all those noisy dials down and your body will tell you what it wants, what it needs, how it feels, if something's good, if something's bad. And, and I'm pleased you said that because that just really reiterates everything. Try and get across to people really listen to your body and we often say as well once you do turn all those dials down with your sugar and your oil and your processed foods then you start to really know how you feel and you can pick out things within your nutrition but until you do until you do that maybe you don't know so that's something well, great one of the things about that as well is i'm, I'm a great deal how you feel but not just how you feel right now how do you feel over the long term? Because, of course, heroin makes you feel fantastic right now. <laughs> so does sugar. So does alcohol. So does addictive substances. So it's that not just how do you feel right now. It's the how will I feel tomorrow if I make this choice now? Um, but, of course, the way the human brain works, the little the, the gribbity little toad, it's all about now. We, we only ever have an endless series of nows. And it doesn't think long term. It can't. It has no language. All it has is now and reaction to what is going on. So that whole thing about how you feel is great, but it's not. I'm, I'm one for nuance. I love the nuance. It, it's that whole how am I going to feel if I do this for 30 days? Will I feel better? Will I feel worse? And I know for me, when I choose to eat more optimally, I feel amazing and I have sustained energy. I have clarity of mind. I have the energy to do what I need to do. My, I, I'm a chronic pain sufferer. I have less long-term chronic pain when I eat more optimally. That's, that's what keeps me optimal. Because if I make those non-optimal choices, one off is not going to harm me if i make them over time i end up brain fogged i end up fat i end up in so much pain it's just not a quality of life and yet it's the quality of life most people accept as normal because that's what we've been trained to accept that's right yeah i think i think uh, adding to that as well is you could add how did i feel as well because yeah, you add how one. do i feel right at this moment how am i going to feel and how did i feel when i did 
whatever you did that you know because yeah. some people I, I often say as well about about once you get to a certain point where you believe you are more metabolically flexible you believe you're on a more real food nutrition then I often emphasize to people look it's about sticking with that 95 percent all of the time you're always going to go out there and have a birthday meal or you're going to have all these suboptimals at certain times in your life it's just life nobody's going to be 100% perfect but it's about then asking yourself how did I feel when that happened is that going to happen again you know it's yeah. still making sure that you build a lifestyle around your nutrition it's not building nutrition around your lifestyle it's that kind of thing and it's also a little bit about our evolution going back because we evolved for feast and fast so we evolved to deal I mean Ken Barry puts it really well in the, effectively Christmas dinner is a feast and then, and then, but then after the feast, we would have then fasted. We would have then had scarcity of food. And the body is set up for a lot of food all at once and then not a lot of food for a while. And then a lot of food all at once and then not a lot of food for a while. And our current food culture is a lot of food all of the time. And that detriments us health-wise. But it, it's also mentally, because we, we then are trained to think we must have food all the time. There must be food everywhere. And that's not actually how we evolved. So accepting some of the, the dissonance that comes along with potentially, well, you're not going to be eating as much. When your body is satisfied, you naturally don't eat as much. You're not worrying about where the next meal is coming from or what's in the cupboard or you're not obsessing about the latest and greatest thing because of course all that stuff makes you think about it because your body wants to feel great in the moment that all of that noise as you said the noise goes away and then you just have this body that yeah oh I'm hungry now okay let's go get some food from, from the cupboard cook some food okay I'm not hungry anymore I don't need to think about that anymore yeah, it's I think it's been so ingrained into people that, oh, you need three meals a day, four meals a day, five meals a day. And snacks. Uh, and snacks, yeah, whatever. It's been so ingrained into people over their lives that, that this is a particular way we eat. But like you say, just look back into evolution, look back at our ancestors and all the tribes. It's not how they did it. They more often had a feast and famine. And I know a lot of people today try and push in fasting into their nutrition. And whilst fasting is great, I don't believe it's something you should be forcing. Your no, body, if you are eating the right nutrition, if you're eating all those nutrient-dense foods that we talk about, the good fats and the proteins, it will come natural. Again, we're back to how do I feel? You know, it feels yeah, it just that natural. Whole, and people never believe it until it suddenly happens. And they think, yeah. well, I haven't eaten for like six hours. What's going on here? That's right. And it's, I'm very, very much a believer in intermittent fasting is fantastic and, and, and like water fasting is also fantastic. But it should, as you say, you should never force it on your, you should never use your mind to try and regulate your body. You should never force it on yourself. Yes, you can manipulate it because ghrelin is manipulatable by about half an hour a day. So if you want to push your windows, you can do it. But generally speaking, you're not going to be pushing your, your if you want to push your windows massively, well, that's not natural. That's forcing it. Because if you want to just jog it half an hour, well, that's half an hour. That's no big deal. So definitely that whole suddenly finding yourself doing intermittent fasting is very, very, very common. And I'm sure you found it in your practice as well. It's just suddenly, oh, I'm a two meal a day person now. Wow. Okay, fine. Yeah, let's move on. 
That's right. And, and like you, you've referred to, people just don't know how the body works because once you start working with somebody, they'll say, no, I could never skip my breakfast or no, I could never go half the day without eating. And then within two to four weeks of them eating the right foods, the nutrient dense foods that keeps them full, then they're like amazed. <laughs> how does my body do this? And it's... What, what, what's that all about? No, yeah. no one ever believes us. It is because uh, I've got a very large Facebook group. And the amount of people that will put a surprised post of, I didn't believe that this would be happening, but it has. It, 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 it's one of those things that's happened over and over and over because we are so trained by media and whoever that we need to be eating all the time. And we don't. That's brilliant. And, uh, and that's a great place to end it. A little, little bit pushed for time, but I feel like I could talk to you forever. We might have to have a part two or something Absolutely. You know, in, in, in the More future. More than happy to come back. Uh, but just before you go, let's tell everybody where they can find you and, and join you in, in the Facebook groups and, and, and everything about yourself. Absolutely. So on social media, my handle is low carb in the UK. All one word on Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, you, you name it, Instagram, it's all there. Um, if you want to message me again, my, my, you can either find me on Facebook, Nicola Howard, or you can message the low carb in the UK page. And my website is HTTPS, go on back to those low carb in the dot UK. So I'm, I'm very consistent across everything. That is great. Thank you very much for your time today, Nicola. Thank you very much for having me, Matthew. A super chat with Nicola there. That was great. Although we focused on a few nuances within it, the absolute message is to get rid of those processed foods and live and thrive on real food, nutrient-dense, mostly animal-based nutrition. And if I can just simplify it even more so that you can remind yourself at every meal and at every little snack if you're having snacks, there really is just two things to remember so that you can have that 90% proof, 95% proof optimal human nutrition. And the two things are, number one, do not eat processed foods. Number two, prioritize animal protein. And that really is it. If you're doing those two things, then you're well on the way to having an optimal human nutrition. As Nicholas said in the podcast, everything else is gravy. So just focus on those two things and you're well on your way. So thanks for listening today. Don't forget to nip over to Apple Podcasts, give us a rating and a review. Uh, we still got the aprons on sale in the shop. The colour green seems to be the, the most popular option at the moment, but you can have it in all sorts of different kind of colours, whichever colour you want. Just select it there in the shop. That's at humannutritionlifestyle.com forward slash shop. Uh, we've got some recipes on there and some more information on there for you to look at if you want to do that. If you want to go and see Nicola, go follow Nicola, see what she's all about. Then, she's, as she said, the handle is low carb in the UK at everything on her Facebook, on her Instagram, and the website is low carb in the dot UK. So go check her out. But remember to go outside, get that sunshine. Now the sun's shining, go and live your life and have a really good lifestyle by getting out, getting out to play, getting out in the sun, getting that vitamin D levels nice and high. This is the time of year to do it. And now all those COVID restrictions have been lifted so we can go out and enjoy ourselves a little bit more. Let's live life. Just be happy, be safe, take care, and I'll see you 
next time.